title of our message today is Power Word, Power Word. All throughout history, all throughout history, if you could go and comb through history, all the months and days and years and all the ages, you will find testimony after testimony of lives of people whose lives have been impacted and changed and blessed through the Word of God. Through the Word of God, people have been healed. Through the Word of God, people have been delivered. Through the Word of God, people have been saved, set free, made new. Uh, through God's Word, people receive wisdom for their life, how to live their life. Through God's Word, we receive direction and leading and instruction. Through God's Word, we know God. We find God. We become closer to God. All of these things are life-changing, life-transforming for the better and to God's glory. And all of these things happen. Why? Because there is power in the Word of God. There is power in God's Word. So, the first question I would like for you to ponder to use, to examine your life right now is this. Do you, do you have the power of God's word in your life today? Can you say that uh, you feel almost on a daily basis the, the, the power that you can say that you, that you witness and that you experience the power of God's Word in your life. See, what's important is that we must make sure that we have the right attitude and faith in the way we see God's Word and in the way we approach God's Word. Unfortunately, even a lot of Christians will end up approaching the Word of God as if it was just another academic uh, text. Uh, we, our attitude is that the Word of God is academic, but it is not simply academic. It is spiritual. Amen. It is spiritual. You see, the important thing is that through books and academic texts, we receive information, but through God's Word, we are supposed to receive revelation. Amen. Revelation. It is revelation that changes not just our minds, but our hearts. Revelation changes our spirits. The revelation of God changes our souls. And so what we need today, what this world needs today, it is full of information. You can Google things. You can neighbor things. You can get all the kinds of information, all the information that you really need. Some people even say you don't even have to pay for a college education. You don't even have to go to college. If you really put the effort in, you can get a college education just through the information. There's a lot of information in the world today, yet so much of our world is broken and lost and in the dark why is that? Because it's not just information we need. We don't just need more information. What we need is more revelation Amen. from God. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God, the Word of God is living. It's living. It's alive. 
It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. So we are talking about spiritual things, of joints and of marrow, and in discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Same verse, different version. The AMP version says this. For the word of God is living and active and full of power. Wow. Those words just really stand out. Living, active, and full of power. What that means is that this power makes the word of God operative, energizing, and effective. Hallelujah. The word of God should be operative. It is doing something. It is supposed to be doing something, and it is energizing, giving us energy. Do you have energy? Do you need energy? The Word of God is supposed to be energizing and effective. It makes a difference. It works. So again, the mistake is to approach the Word of God. And again, I see this happen a lot. I used to do this. I used to come to the Word of God as if it was like an instruction manual or a self-help book. Because what an instruction manual or self-help book will do, it'll tell you what to do. And you read it and you say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Do this, do that. You close it and you go and you do it. And we think that's what the Word of God is. For some of us, a lot of us, I would say, that that is now your normal approach to the Word of God. That is your general approach. That would define your relationship with the Word of God. Is there instructions? Yes. Should we obey the instructions of the Word of God? Yes. But is that all of what the Word of God is? No. The Word of God is not about, all. it is not mainly, okay? Let me say it this way. God's Word is more than about what we do. It is about what is the Word doing? What is the Word doing in you? Amen. The Word of God is living and active, operative, energizing, and effective. So our next question today is, is the Word of God doing something in you? Do you feel, do you see, do you witness, is your can you testify to the fact that the Word of God is doing something in you? Are you experiencing the living, active life and the power of God's Word? Not just sometimes, but most times, all the time, on a daily basis. This is what God wants for you. Amen. And so as you ponder that question, let me answer it really quick for you. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus, if you regard yourself as a believer, as a follower, as a child of God, here's the good news. The answer is yes. You have already experienced the living activity of the Word of God because the Bible says that it is through the living activity of the Word of God by the Holy Spirit that we are saved. And so if you're saved, you have already experienced this without maybe you even realizing or knowing. But the living activity of God's Word is what brought you into salvation by the work of the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 7. Let's read it together. It says... But when the goodness oh, and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal, catch this, of the Holy Spirit. 
So when we were saved, the Holy Spirit was involved. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us richly, richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being just justified by his grace, not works, by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the Holy Spirit is involved. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, And so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Mm -hmm. Saving faith comes from, the, from hearing God's word, and through the hearing of God's word, the Holy Spirit is active, making the word of God come alive in us unto salvation, unto saving faith. So we are saved. Because the word of God has been, was, did, uh, act in a, in a live and in an active way, bring us into saving faith. That's salvation. But unfortunately, it is after salvation that's the problem. For a lot of us, you know, we experience this, this, the, the living activity of God's word at salvation, but along the way, maybe months, days, years, seasons, there, there comes a time in many Christians' life where we lack or we lose the power of God's word in our life. The Word of God is no longer living and active. We read and we read. We do our QTs, quiet times, but we're not feeling or sensing more joy or hope or more closeness to God. And what we're beginning to realize is that just because you read the Bible a lot, just because you study the Bible a lot, does not mean that you are experiencing the power of God's Word. Because there's lots of people who can read the Word and study the Word. They're, in fact, non-Christians who get degrees. I didn't realize this, but there are actually, you know, non-Christians who get degrees in Christian studies and in religious studies. And, and there are non-Christians who read the Word of God a lot, study the Word of God a lot. They know the Word of God even better than other Christians, but yet they themselves do not know God or believe in God, and they are not Christians. So you can read the Word of God, but still not experience its power. Even demons, the Bible says. The demons know the Word of God. When when Satan faced off with Jesus in the wilderness, it was clear that Satan knew the word of God. Even demons can know God's word more than, even better than Christians, but that doesn't mean, obviously, that they have the power of God's word. To know God's word is not necessarily the same as knowing the power of God's word. And to have the power of God's word is God's will for you today. Hallelujah. The reason why you are listening to this message is because God wants to make his word come alive for you. Amen. He said, I've come to give life and life to the full. The word of God is like bread to our souls. It is water. It is nourishment. It energizes. It is effective. It is operative in our life today. This is God's will for you. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling down and discouraged, hallelujah, today God wants to make the word of God come alive. It's not that you don't know it. So that's the good news. You've got everything right now. I want to say to somebody right now, and this, of course, doesn't necessarily apply to everybody, especially new Christians, but I want to say to somebody right now, God is encouraging You've got what you need. You've got what you need, but you need to activate it, make it come alive. You know the Word of God. It's just not living and active, and I pray that today you will experience and you will learn how to make God's Word powerful in your life today. Amen? And so the rest of our time, I want to give you five keys, five parts 
that you need in order for God's word to be living and active and powerful in your life, not just today, not just at retreats and not just at conferences, not just when you hear a good sermon, you know, that, that stirs you up. No, every day, every day by the Holy Spirit, I pray that God's word will be living and active and powerful in your life, and it will I believe if you apply these five parts, if you have these five parts uh, as part of your Bible reading, meditating, and studying life. Number one, number one, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, the Holy Spirit. You probably saw this coming from a mile away, right? The Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, the Word of God says, I keep asking. I love this. This is Apostle Paul. I want to make that clear. We're not just talking about some new Christian. Apostle Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Amen. I keep asking. See, this is not something that we do only when we don't know the scriptures. It's like, oh, I didn't know that verse. What does that verse mean? It's not something that we do just when we're new Christians. See, the danger is really actually when we've been in church for a long time. The danger is when we feel like, yeah, I already know that scripture. The danger is when you hear the preacher preach and you're like, oh, this again, I've heard this a thousand times. See, that's where the danger is, where we begin to lose and begin to leak. We begin to lose out on the power of God's word in our life. Paul had the power of God's word in his life because what, what did he say? He says, I keep asking. Even if I've read the same verse over and over again, I keep asking. Even if I've heard this a thousand times, I keep asking. Even though if I studied it and I know it inside and out, I know the theology, I know I've exegeted it, I've, I, 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 I know what it's supposed to mean. I've read books on it. I've read commentaries. He says, no, I keep asking. I humble myself and I ask the Lord to keep speaking his word into my life, to keep making it come alive to me. I keep asking. Asking. And how does the Holy Spirit do it? See, he asked the Holy Spirit to give him wisdom and revelation. Amen. Amen. How does the Word of God go from information to revelation? How do we keep the Word of God from being just information? The Holy Spirit. We must depend upon, we must pray to the Holy Spirit. Somebody once said, it takes God to know God. It takes God to know God. So perhaps one of the reasons why the Word of God is not alive and active in your life is because you just read it out of Christian duty. You do it to be a good Christian, but it's not alive. It's not relationship. It's not something you're doing with God. You're doing it for God, but you're not doing with God. And so what we need is to read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. What does that look like, Pastor Jimmy? Real simple. Before you pray, uh, before you read the Word, pray. Amen. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, I cannot, if I just read this without you, it's just going to be information. If I read this without you, it's just going to be a Christian ritual that I do to be a good Christian. No, Holy Spirit, only you can make this come alive. Only you can bring me revelation through the word of God that doesn't just, you know, resonate up here, but resonates in my heart and in my spirit. So before you read the word, pray. As you read the word, pray. After you read the word, pray to the Holy Spirit to continue to ask. Be like Paul, right? 
you know, we wore, you know, those uh, bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? And so when I say be like Paul, Paul said, I'm trying to be like Jesus, so be like me, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So be like Paul, because he's trying to be like Jesus. And what Paul did was he kept asking. He asked and kept asking no matter how much, how long, you know, no matter what level, if you want to speak in those terms, no matter what level he was at as a Christian, he humbled himself and said, I need you, Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, it says, And we impart this in words, words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it make sense. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, right? The Word of God doesn't really make sense. It makes sense, but they are missing out on something. And for some people, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Why? Because it's spiritual. You need the Holy Spirit. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Never forget that the Word of God says about the Word of God that it is supposed to be spiritually discerned, not just academically learned. So here's real simple, easy application for you. Pray. Never separate prayer and the Word of God. They go hand in hand. Pray as you read the Word of God, before you read the Word of God. Pray for the Holy Spirit to open your spiritual eyes, open your spiritual ears, open your spiritual hunger and your passion, open your spiritual understanding. Ask Him, Holy Spirit, give me insight, wisdom, and understanding every time I read God's Word. And if, if you do that, you know what? You, you, you'll, you'll get more out of one verse than an entire book, right? When the Holy Spirit is involved, even just one word, one verse can be life-changing, life-giving. You can just receive joy, encouragement through the Holy Spirit if, if you involve Him in, in it all. So, hallelujah. In our reading and meditating, make the Holy Spirit central, amen? Make the Holy, get Him involved, get Him involved, amen? Which is great because it leads us to number two. The second part we need is dependence. That's essentially what we're talking about, is that as you read the Word of God, study the Word of God, try to understand the Word of God, try to apply the Word of God, we must depend on God. Amen. It takes God to know God, and it takes God to apply God's Word to our life. We must depend on Him, depend on the Holy Spirit, right, for everything through and through from beginning to end. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11 says, so shall my, God speaking, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I hope you can really feel the living activity, the, 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 the sense of how the word of God is alive. God says, I speak the word. I say, this is what I want to be accomplished. This is what I want to be done. Here's my purpose. And guess who makes it happen? Guess what makes it happen? Not the people, not us. The word makes it happen. The word will accomplish my purpose and my plan. It will not come back to me void. That is, if I say I send my word and I want something accomplished, it's not going to come back to me and say, sorry, couldn't get it done. No, the word of God will never 
will never return to God void. So this is great encouragement to us. Amen. This is great encouragement to us. Even in my weakness, I know it's not me. It's the word of God in me. It's the word of God sent to me. God is faithful. The Bible says he who began a good work will be faithful to accomplish it, faithful to finish it, because it's going to be his word living and active and working in you, through you, all around you to make sure God's will is done. And we miss out on that. We miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word when we become self-dependent or we become others-dependent. Some of you, you have perhaps without realizing it, you've become so dependent. Your spiritual life is so like it, it, it's, it's so up and down depending on, for example, preaching. If, if, you get, uh, if you get good preaching, oh, feel good, feeling close to God, feel so inspired, you know, but if you hear messages that are not so inspiring and they're dry and they're boring and you don't get so much out of it, so you become dependent on the style or, the, or, or, or how, on the rhetoric and the skill of preaching or perhaps programs. You're so dependent on church programs or, or buildings, <laughs> uh, uh, on people. You, you become dependent on, you know, whether people around you or the preacher or the pastor is spirit-filled and anointed, right, charismatic. We talked this about a lot. Oh, it's like so, it's a, such an anointed worship. Oh, it's so anointed. It's a spirit-filled church. And, and if you don't have that in your life, you feel empty and you feel spiritually dry. Now, these things are good. Should you search and find a, a spirit-filled church? Absolutely. I want to really encourage you that. But at the same time, I should be able to thrive even without those things. This, I was talking to some people. I was like, you know what? My mission, part of my mission for Joyful City is to empower people through the word of God for them to know God, to know the word, to know the Holy Spirit in such a way that they will still thrive even in the desert. Even if they were all alone on an island somewhere, can they continue to be close to God, develop their relationship with God, you know, have joy in the Lord? How do we do that, Pastor Jimmy? You got to unlock the power of God for yourself by the Holy Spirit, by depending on Him, not on situations, by depending on Him, not on circumstances, by depending on Him, not on people. When I say depending on Him, I'm saying fully, completely, He is your primary dependency. Sure, we can depend on people and pastors and, and, and churches and all that, but there, will be, there are going to be times when that, that's not enough. There's going to be times when those circumstances are not right. There's going to be times... When, when you're not getting the right message that you wish you were, you're not hearing what you wish you could hear. So what do you do in those times? Let the word of God be living and active by the Holy Spirit, by depending on God and God alone. Amen? Amen. Number three. Number three. The third part we need is surrender. Surrender. You know, one of the primary purposes of the word of God is to change us to mold us into the image of Christ, into God's purposes and plans and design. The Word of God is meant to lead us and direct us. I did say it's more than an instruction manual, but we will not 
we should not lose sight of the fact that it is the Word of God that changes us. And I would say that that's the difference in the gospel is that some people read the Bible to do things to change themselves, but it's the Word of God that changes you. Hallelujah. Somebody might say, well, if you want the Word of God to be powerful in your life, you need to change your life. You've got to become a better person. And I'll say, you know what? That's, that's, not, that's not how it works. You don't need, the, you don't need to be a good person to, to experience the power of God. No, you need the power of God to become a good person. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. And so my point here, I want to come back to it, is that the Word of God is meant to change and to mold you. Now, if we're not willing for that to happen, See, if you're not surrendered to God's will, if you're not surrendered to say, God, not my will, but your will be done, then what are you doing? You're blocking the purpose of God's word. It can't do what it's meant to do. And if it, if it can't do what it's meant to do, then naturally, you're not going to be experiencing the effect and the power of God's word in your life. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let's read it. It says, all scripture, all scripture? Yes, all scripture. You mean even those genealogies and the boring parts? Yes. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Ooh, right? Those are some tough words. Teaching, cool. Reproof, what? Correction, uh. Training, oh, no. Right? Oh, I feel tired. You know, but this is the word of God. It is meant to teach us, to rebuke us, to, to, to show us where we need to change, to correct us, to tell us what we're doing wrong, what we need to do more, what we need to do less, what we need to do, you know, where we need to change. It's meant to train us in righteousness. Now, don't get that wrong. We are righteous by faith, positionally and in the eyes of God. We are completely and totally 100% righteous. But now from that righteousness, you see, the, 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 there should be a righteous living, a righteous living by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what surrender is. That's where surrender comes into play. Surrender is the willingness to let God, to let his word have his way. Not my, way, not my will, but your will be done. We are, by surrender, we are saying yes to God and His Word to shape and direct our life, our thinking, our worldviews, our values. Not my emotions, not what I grew up, not my culture, not my culture. Now, if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to lay everything down, ladies and gentlemen. Even your culture, even the way you grew up. Because sometimes those things are good, but God's got something better. God's got something better for you. And so surrender includes that. Surrender also includes saying, God, I, I want you to lead and direct my steps. So open doors and close doors. There's a verse that says God opens doors that no man can shut and he shuts doors that no one can open. And so sometimes, you know, following God is not about God tells you exactly where to go. Sometimes God will, will be sovereign over your circumstances and situations. And, and there's a, all these closed doors. You run into this and you try that. This doesn't work. You get disappointment after disappointment. And some of you, you're so disappointed because it's just like closed door after closed door after closed door. But you know what? It's actually a really good thing because it's like, God, why do I have so many closed doors and disappointments? And God's saying it's because of you. 
You pray to me. You said yes to my will. You surrendered your life. You said, God, not my will, but your will be done. And so you gave me permission to come into your life and open the right doors and close the right doors. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're experiencing a lot of closed doors, I know it sucks and I know it can be discouraging, but the good news is that it's a sign that God is involved in your life. It is a sign that God is right there in the middle of your life and he is responding to your surrender. He is responding to your surrender. Why is, he res- why is it responding to your surrender? Because the moment you say, you know what, forget this. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to force doors open. Then you're no longer surrendered. But as long as you're accepting and receiving and continuing moving forward by faith, they're like, okay, I'm going through all these closed doors, but I'm trusting God. Hallelujah. I'm trusting God. That is surrender. And I want to emphasize that surrender to God is not ability. It is willingness right? In the gospel, in the gospel spirit, surrender is not about what you can, it's, it's not just about what you can or can't do. It's not about ability. It's about willingness. It's, it's together, right? As we surrender to God, my ability, I surrender as much as, as possible, obey as much as I can, but I understand that it's really all the grace of God, and there's going to be limits, and so really it's all about willingness, to say yes to God, because if we're all honest, there will be some point, there will be something, there are areas in our life where it's hard to yield, hard to trust, hard to surrender, hard to give up, and so this is where surrender gets real, gets real deep, and, and now you're saying not just God hears everything, no, here's everything, and here's all the other things that I can't give. God, I surrender what I can't surrender, because I'm willing I'm willing for you to change my heart. I'm willing you I'm willing for you to change my will. I'm willing for you to mold me and shape me and conform me to your will. So I'm willing to give up what I'm not willing to give up. Come on. That's real deep, yo. That is super deep. That is real powerful. This is full surrender. God, I trust you. Amen. I trust you as my potter. I trust you. You are the potter and I am the clay. I'm not trusting my abilities surrender. I am trusting your ability to form me and mold me and to shape surrender in my life when I cannot. Amen. And so again, it is God's word that changes us. It's not about Christianity and the gospel is not about us changing for God primarily. No, it's about God changing us. And it is through the word of God that God changes us. Romans chapter 12 verse 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be like the world. God's got something so much better. Man, you're all trying to, you want your life to look like the world's life. You want to find success. No, God's going to give you success and blessing. It just may look really different. It may look like, it may look like being portrayed by your brothers, Joseph. It may look like being sold into slavery, Joseph. It may be look like being labeled as a bad person, Joseph. But, but don't try to fix that. Don't try to look, you know, in a certain way. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Then you're going to see it. Then you're going to experience it. Then you're going to receive, right, God's good plans, good promises, his good, pleasing, and perfect will in your life. Through what? Through the transforming, through the renewing of your mind. How does God renew our mind? Through the word of God. God's word is what changes us for God. We are changed with God 
for God. Amen? Come on, put it that. Put that in the scripture. With God, for God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I've used up all my time, and I've got two more points, so let me try to move quickly. Although, I am coming to what I believe could be the most important points of, of my entire message. And, and, uh, and number four, this brings me to number four, which that, I, just right here, number four, I wish I could have just spent all day on number four, the fourth part, which is really everything. You know, none of the other things will really matter, I think, without this part. Number four is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Again, there's so much to say about this. Don't got time, and so I'm going to try to condense it and and uh, explain it as best as I can in a succinct, quick manner. And uh, I want to use three examples about how Jesus is central. Jesus is central. He needs to be. One one person said this: the whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole Bible is really about Jesus. Can I use Harry Potter for a second? You know, if, if, you, if you took Harry Potter out of the Harry Potter movies, it's like the movies may not make sense anymore. You know what I'm saying? Can I use Star Wars? If you took Luke Skywalker out of the, you know, out of the first three Star Wars movies, the story is not going to make sense because, in a way, they were the main protagonist. It was their story that was the main story. All the other stuff was to was like in support of that story. That's the Bible. It's really all about Jesus. Amen. It's really all about Jesus. It's more than a self-help book. It's more than an instruction manual. It's all about Jesus. Yesu, ojik yesu. Ojik Yesu. It's like one of my favorite phrases. Ojik Yesu in Korean means only Jesus, only Jesus. And so I want to use three quick stories, passages from the scriptures uh, as quickly as possible to illustrate this point, the centrality of Christ in the scriptures, that you need Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on what the Bible is really about. Uh, the first example comes from the events happening after Jesus died and rose again. So Jesus died and he rose again. And there's all these stories and rumors that are happening. Oh, somebody stole his body, blah, blah, blah. And so the disciples, the people who followed Jesus while he was on the earth, alive before the cross, a lot of them are like in chaos. They're in confusion. They're not exactly sure what to believe. Has he risen? Is he still dead? What's going on? And so Jesus appears to two of his disciples who are on their way to a place called Emmaus, Luke 24, 25 to 27, it says this. He, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, how foolish you are. Ouch. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Fools. <laughs> how slow to believe in all the prophets and all that the prophets have spoken. What are they speaking about, Jesus? Verse 26. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So in partly, it's like, you know, in the religious sense, it's like suffering and, the, and, and, and God's will don't go together. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. Jesus, the Messiah, had to suffer these things and then enter his glory. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Or in other words, that phrasing there is actually more about he was showing them how all of Scripture was really all about him. And so uh, the rest of that story goes that as Jesus said, okay, if you really want to see, the, what you're missing here is me. 
The reason why none of this really makes sense is me. The reason why the power of God's word is not in your life is because you're missing me. And he starts showing how all the scriptures are about him. And later the, the disciples were like, man, our hearts were burning when he was speaking to us. Our hearts were coming alive, being energized. There was power as he was teaching me. Why? Because with Jesus, with Jesus in the middle of Scripture, when the Scriptures are all about Jesus, that's the key. The second example is the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a story where Philip, a disciple of Jesus, is led by God to witness to this Ethiopian who is trying to read scriptures, but he can't understand the scriptures. Acts chapter 8, verse 30 through 31, and we're going to throw in verse 35. For good measure, verse 30, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah. So he's reading the book of Isaiah. Reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 35, and then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Amen. In other words, the only way it really made sense was when it was all about Jesus. And the Bible says now when Jesus was included, all of a sudden the eyes of, of the eunuch's heart, the Ethiopian becomes joyful, and he's like, I want to get saved now. And he's like, come on, baptize me. There's some water, baptize me now. And he is full of joy. And what was the key? Jesus. Amen. Jesus. And the last... Uh, Example to illustrate this is actually the religious leaders. John chapter 5, verse 39. And when I say religious leaders, I'm talking about the bad ones who are just really religious, religious. Verse 39, Jesus said, you search the scriptures, right? You, you search the law, the word of God, because you think they give you eternal life. He's saying the Bible itself doesn't save. The Bible itself, the law itself, you will not find eternal life through that. No. He said, it's not the scriptures, it's not by the scriptures that you receive eternal life. No, but the scriptures point to me. Point to me, point to me, point to me. What's Harry Potter all about? Harry Potter. What's Star Wars all about? It's about Luke Skywalker, right? That's the whole point. It's pointing to me. Without me, something's missing. Without me, you miss the point. And so... My point here is that the key, the key to truly understanding God's word is Jesus. Without Jesus, we miss the whole point of scriptures. We think it's all about us. We think, about, we think it's about living for God. No, the whole point is Jesus. Jesus comes. Jesus tabernacles. Jesus is with us. Jesus fills us. Fills us. Jesus makes us righteous. So now we're not just living for God. We are living with God. Amen. That's the power. Jesus is the key to understanding the Bible rightly, interpreting the Bible rightly, applying the Word of God rightly, and therefore unleashing, releasing the power of God's Word in our life fully. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, Jesus the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Amen. Can we start the piano? Amen. Amen. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. This Word, this Word, the whole embodiment of this Word is Jesus. 
if you are if you are reading this word, interpreting this word, applying this word to your life in a way that is not like Jesus, or doesn't make you more like Jesus, or doesn't reflect the heart of Jesus for you, then you are reading it wrong. You're reading it wrong. You may be reading it technically right, but not spiritually right. Jesus said, I have not come to condemn the world. But some of you, as you read the scriptures, you feel condemned. You read through the Old Testament, you feel condemned. You feel unworthy. You feel you are lacking. You feel you need to do better. And truthfully, yes, there is conviction of sin. We need that. We need that. We need conviction of sin. We need to preach sin. We need to preach hell. And those are good. But that shouldn't be the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. And so if you read Scripture and all you receive is condemnation, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're, 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 it's, you're missing it. There should be conviction. Hallelujah. There should be conviction. This need to repent is good. But that's what should lead you to Jesus. So I don't just end with conviction, uh, con conviction or condemnation. I end with joy. I receive joy and life and hope because, again, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn. I come to give life. I didn't come to give burdens. Some of you read the Word of God and all you get is burdens. All you get is burdens. Or some of you read the Word of God, apply it like an instruction manual, and you feel self-righteous and pride. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, I'm humble and I'm meek. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and light. I haven't come to give you burdens. I came to, give, to take burdens away. Amen. Which leads me to the fifth and last point, which is the love of God. The love of God really should be central, central. It should be weaved into. It should be seen and felt. It should be the light shining on scriptures. It should be the shadow that is emanated from scriptures. The light, the, it's the love of God. The love of God that Jesus manifested himself in his body, but that he, that he emanated through the word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verses 28 through 29. Let's read this as we close. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. They were amazed. Right? They were happy. They were joyful. They were like, wow. They weren't feeling burdened and condemned. No, they were amazed. That means, that's a sign that the Word of God was living and active. It means that they were interpreting and hearing the Word of God rightly, correctly, through the lens of Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Because there was this amazement, there was this joy at His teaching. Why? Because, verse 29, because He taught as one who had authority. Power! Because there was power in His words. They received power, they received energy through His words. And not as their teachers of the law. See, this is what's crazy. Two people can read the same Bible and get two different things from it. One person can come away sad and burdened or self-righteous and prideful and judgmental. And another person can come away free and energized and joyful and hopeful and loving and gracious to other people. And the people, when they heard Jesus, they were amazed. 
and they were blessed, and they were full of joy and hope, and they were encouraged. That's the sign somebody's teaching the Word of God the right way. When you come out encouraged, when you come out full of life, you came to church burdened, and now after the sermon, you feel like, you know, one person said, you know, one pastor said, man, I should preach in a way that makes you feel like you can go home without your car. You're going to fly home. You're going to skip home because you feel so much full of the joy of the Lord and the power of God. Not like the religious leaders. See, this is what Jesus said about the religious leaders. He said, you burden people. You make it hard for people to enter the kingdom of God. And therefore, the harshest and greatest judgment is going to come upon you. In other words, he was saying, there's no grace in your preaching. There's no grace in your interpretation and application of God's word. There's no, there's no grace. There's no love. There's no love emanating from your teaching. You are doing it wrong. God, Jesus preached the same message, and the people were amazed. They felt the grace. They were empowered by the love of God. Amen? And so this is what you need to do. Turn your tune. You need to tune your ears to the love of God. Tune your ears to the love of God. Amen? Whenever you read Scripture, whatever you're reading, tune your ears to God's love. I'm going to read these scriptures. I'm going to take the scriptures through the lens of Christ, and I'm going to tune my ears to love. Where's the love? Where's the love? Where's the love? I'm going to use God's love to understand and to interpret these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Amen. Come on, if you're getting love through the scriptures, it's going to build up. If there's no love, it's going to puff you up. It's going to puff you up into thinking that you're better than you really are. You're this really good Christian. You're so faithful and everything's safe and sound and blah, blah, blah. And you've got it all. And God's saying, no. In fact, I'll say to somebody, God's heart is broken because he's like, I've got so much more for you than that. So much more, so much more, so much more. Come out of your condemnation. Come out of your pride. Repent of both and receive life. Receive love that builds you up. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah.